Good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here. Interviews on the show today are going to start off with a bang. 8.35, we talk with uh, Daryl Crippley, and he is the uh, C- he is the president of PLEA. That's the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. Um, the assaults on officers, gunfire, um, shooting at cops, uh, the v- rise in violence continues. We're going to talk with him about that. We'll talk about the staffing issues that Phoenix PD and other agencies around the Valley are suffering. We'll talk just in general about policing. That's all coming up at 8.35. And then at 9.05, an interesting series that I think is excellent work. And in our newsroom, uh, both uh, Taylor Kinnerup and Taylor Tassler working on this. Uh, Taylor Tassler doing so much great work on these interviews about prison reform and drugs in our prisons and how it's getting in there and speaking with the governor and speaking with the new director of DOC. So at 9.05, we're going to talk with uh, Taylor Tassler about that interview. You can go and check out the videos and, and read them over at KTAR.com. But we start this morning with the economy. Um, first of all, we are finding out jobless claims have gone up. Are we uh, no spending is going down? The GDP did not meet what the estimates were in the final quarter of the year. Are people beginning to slow down spending and why is this a part of the interest rate increase? Are we slowing the economy down? Is this part of the plan for inflation? But here's about the jobless claims. New unemployment claims rose by about 7,000 last week over the week before, according to the Labor Department, which said there were 198,000 new jobless claims for the week ending March 25th. Numbers came in slightly above analysts' expectations, but were still below the 200,000 threshold for the 10th straight week, keeping numbers at historically low levels, despite efforts by the Federal Reserve to cool the economy and the job market in its efforts to fight inflation. So the GDP comes in below estimates on sharp slowdown in personal spending ahead of looming credit crunch is the headline from Zero Hedge. The issue there is people understand they are starting to hit their credit limits. They are they are maxing out their credit cards. And you know, your credit score changes. Your credit score is a snapshot, really, in time. You have to look kind of at the overall um, uh, you know usage of your credit, and it changes based on how much of your available credit you use and debt-to-income ratio, and it all affects your credit scores. But people are maxing out their credit cards on necessities and other people are not spending their money that's left on their credit cards in case they might need it. That is, you know, the big fear for a lot of people is having a crisis and not having the ability to use credit if needed in an emergency. And so uh, this is a big concern moving forward. The problem here is, I think, in a lot of the people's minds, the um, uncertainty of it all is the policies that we're seeing coming out of the White House. I want to talk about Social Security for a moment. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid are the biggest debt drivers in the U.S. economy, in the U.S. budget. And that doesn't mean they're going away. It doesn't mean I'm even saying they should go away. We have to keep our promises. But we have to realize this is not a new problem. Okay, this is not a new problem. I want you to hear a couple of things. This is from CNN, by the way. CNN, of all places. Uh, This is what President Biden now is saying about Republicans and the idea of changing Social Security. Some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. A lot of Republicans, their dream is to cut Social Security and Medicare. That's the Republican dream. 
I'm their nightmare. Ag Republicans are going to threaten to gut and eliminate these programs. All right. So that's what President Biden is now saying about Republicans and what they want to do. Let's start with the sunsetting. Uh, this is uh, CNN again. This is this is President Biden talking or the description of the sunsetting of legislation. Biden introduced a bill in 1975 that did the exact same thing. It sunset all federal legislation without exemptions for Social Security uh, and Medicare. And what's interesting about this is Biden's bill to do this, this sunset legislation, was the first ever of its kind. We just saw on the screen uh, where he was basically boasting about uh, how he sort of almost invented this concept of of sunsetting uh, at the federal level. So we just heard the president say the the scare tactic of what the Republicans are going to do. And as a senator, as a United States senator, he proposed exactly that same thing. What does the president what did the president think about raising the age of Social Security, changing the benefits in order to save the programs? What did he say in the past? I believe this is 1987 when he said this. The year 2010. We are going to change the retirement age for Social Security. You cannot retire at age 65. You have to be 65 years and three months old. In the year 2012, 60 years, 65 years and six months. In the year, literally, raise incrementally the retirement age till you reach your retirement age between 68 and 70. That was Senator Joe Biden in 1987 and how he proposed fixing Social Security. President Biden criticizes anyone on the other side of the aisle that dares talk about changing anything in Social Security while they are saying exactly what Senator Biden said in the 70s and the 80s. Not done yet. In 2005, we're moving forward, 2005. Here is what Joe Biden, Senator Joe Biden, or was he, was he vice president then? This is what he had to say. Raising the cap, raising the retirement age for people who are now 30 years old, raising uh, um, uh, the uh, the tax on Social Security, cutting benefits. Uh, they're all things that have to be discussed, quite frankly. So Senator Joe Biden said that I, I was I – what I had a brain freeze there about when he was vice president. Um, that was 09. But you look at – listen to the difference. So here you have someone that, that champions these program changes. They need – they're necessary. This is somebody when they were in the United States Senate, was going all the way back to the 1970s now saying we have got to look at different ways of saving Social Security, including sunsetting the program. And what is sunsetting? This is another description. This is CNN talking about what exactly is sunsetting. A program will get authorized for something like four years, and then if if it's not reauthorized, uh, they don't fund it anymore. That's hence where the term sunset comes from. Joe Biden proposed sunsetting the legislation or or the program of Social Security, but all federal programs, and that they all had to be renewed, and if not, then they went away, including Social Security. He talked about changes in the retirement age. 
how ridiculous it is to slowly do this and that you need to make these changes. And then you hear him talk about cuts in benefits, raising the taxes, doing other things in order to save the programs. So this is what Senator Biden said, as far as we can tell, from the mid-1970s to the mid-2000s or, you know, the first decade of the 2000s. And so 2005 was when he talked about all this stuff needs to be on the table. All of it needs to be discussed. Now what he says, I'm their worst nightmare. We're never going to change this. The Republicans went all these scare tactics. And I think the problem with this is the Democrats are going to make excuses for this. The Republicans are going to jump on this as, you know, they should politically. But the average American, the average American that just wants the federal government to do its job, they don't care if the Republicans get credit. They don't care if the Democrats get credit. They want to know that the programs that they have paid into their entire lives, their working lives, are going to be there for them in some kind of substantial way when they retire. And when you see these kinds of nonsensical things happen, this is nothing but pure politics. When the president of the United States goes out there and criticizes as if the Republicans – it is such a dumb idea that Republicans want to eliminate a program. Just let's talk about just – let's say they're selfish Horrible people that have no heart. Let's just go with that that mantra that the Republicans are dumb enough to want to end a program for the largest voter demographic by far in the United States, which is older Americans. It is political suicide to even think they do it. But the very things that Republicans are now saying need to happen in order to save the program are the very things that the president is using as a scare tactic to say it's going to destroy Social Security and that's what they want to do. And when you go back in time, because we all have long memories and video, Senator Biden was not only in favor of, but proposing the exact same thing. That's what makes America angry about politics. This flip-flopping, talk out of both sides of your mouth that happens with leadership on both sides. Except now you're the president, and you got to answer for the things you said. Which do you believe? Which is it? Because they are diametrically opposed. What we're going to do in a moment is we are going to speak with the president of the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. That's the largest union that represents the rank-and-file cops in Phoenix. We're going to talk about violence against police officers, staffing issues, and officer safety. All that's coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Law enforcement, policing, safe cities, what kind of a city do you want to live in? All these are valid questions and big topics on the show. Joining us right now is the president of the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association, Daryl Crippling, joins us. Uh, Daryl, first of all, welcome to the show and thanks for doing this. Hey, good morning, Mike. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, there, you know, in recent memory, and when I say recent, in my mind, going back to the shooting of uh, Officer Maldivan, it seems as if we are seeing more and more often about whether they're shootings, but violent attacks in general against law enforcement, not just in Phoenix, but all over the valley. Um, is, do you believe there's an uptick or are we just hearing more about it? No, I truly believe there is an uptick. Um, it seems like people are becoming more bold when uh, they're being contacted by the police and they're, they're pulling weapons out on us more regularly than ever in the time I can remember. 
You know, it's it's interesting. My, you know, my, I have a brother that's in law enforcement, and one of the things he said to me a couple of years ago is he said, you know, I don't really feel less safe. I feel less respected. And it was more of an attitude shift in the public. But it seems now that it isn't just disrespect. Now it's just disregard. Yeah, I agree with that. That actually, yeah, there is a lot of disrespect, but, you know, they, it, it's almost as if uh, those that are choosing to um, be criminal in their acts uh, don't care that the police are there and see them as an adversary and, and willing to, to do whatever they can to get away with their crime. Do you what is it do you attribute that to? What 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 are the things that have changed that make people it used to be if you were violent against a police officer, you were seen as the worst of the worst because if you would do that to an authority figure, you would never you would do that to anyone. You had no regard for human life. What changed? Any idea? Yeah, you know, I just think that the uptick in the activism, and, and let's be honest, there are some bad apples in our profession, and we do our best to weed them out as quickly as we can. And But the problem is, is that as a profession, we have been painted with a broad brush, so when those instances come up, now every law enforcement officer in these folks' minds are corrupt and, and racist or whatever label they want to put on them. So in that instance, I think what happened is, is you know, they get a lot of airplay, and a lot of that stuff starts to resonate with those who who have criminal intent and they end up wanting their, you know, 15 minutes worth of fame uh, by attacking a police officer. And, and I think that's, you know, there's some mental health issues, some drug addiction issues, but we can't discount the fact that there are those that just want to be part of the criminal element. Daryl Kri- Crippling joins us. He's the president of the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. Um, but one of the things that is shocking to me, and, and I, maybe it's not a shock to you because you do this for a living, but if you look at some of the attacks on officers, they were unprovoked attacks. When all of those officers were injured either by gunfire or by shrapnel, where that officer was attacked by being trying to be lured into a home and he was shot so severely, um, you've got the uh, the attack of Officer Maldivan who didn't even draw his service weapon. You've got the officer that was involved in that domestic violence situation where a guy just pulled up in his car and shot the officer. Um, now we've had two Phoenix officers recently that have been ambushed either in an undercover vehicle or as they pulled up on an accident scene. These seem to be unprovoked attacks. They absolutely are. And I think what's important to remember as well that, you know, we're responding to calls for service in these instances. Um, So, I mean, obviously, for whatever reason, this situation has gotten to a point where the police need to be involved and we're reacting to whatever is presented to us. We don't, you know, go out there. We're not like the military where um, you proactively engage bad people in the community. We're, We're brought to a situation and we react to whatever is brought to us. How much- unfortunately, when, when someone pulls a weapon on us and is trying to kill us or a member of the community, we really have no other options than to protect ourselves and or the member of the community with deadly force. Let's talk about staffing issues. It's been well documented that, that there are staffing issues with agencies all over the country. But where is Phoenix PD in staffing and how does it correlate now to officer and community safety? Well, I'll, I'll just give you a couple numbers. Back in 2008, when we were at the peak of our staffing, we had 3,388 officers. Uh, last Friday, from top to bottom, we had 2,565 officers. But what's more concerning about that is that there's only a total of 961 police officers working in patrol division. So, I mean, that's 823 less total officers top to bottom than 2008. And only 961 in patrol. I mean, you got to think about the size of our of our city, the numbers of calls that we have, you know, every year. I mean, 
we have millions of calls for service, and you have 961 police officers. They're out there taking those calls. It, it, calls are, some calls are going unanswered for hours. And it's unfortunate, and it's terrible customer service to our community members. And it's what's interesting about that is the valley has grown. The city of Phoenix, let's say specific to the city, the city of Phoenix has grown so much since 2008, and yet the police department has shrunk. Right. Yeah, it, it's a dire situation we find ourselves in. I mean, to the point where we've had to decimate our investigations bureaus to send people back out to patrol. And, and that had really made no dent on it because by the end of the, when all that shook out, we had folks that ended up having to medically retire because of injuries they sustained on the job in years past, but were able to do the detective work without problem. But you, you know, put them back out on the street and they can't perform those functions. So we really kind of shot ourselves in the foot. Is recruiting, um, is recruiting beginning to pick up? Are you seeing changes in recruitment and are you able to get more people that qualify and can actually get through the process? Yeah, we are seeing an uptick in, in recruiting and, and kudos for the department for trying to think outside the box to, to recruit folks. But I mean, to be honest, we, at, at this current state today, we have 798 police officers on our department that can retire today. So, I mean, I don't know. We've been negative. I think last year we were negative 81 between retirements and, and resignations and the amount of people we hired. And that's assuming that every academy recruit made it through all of their training and they're currently taking calls today, which we know that's not the case. There's about a 20% attrition rate. So and minus 81 for a year, is, that's, we're not going in the right direction. And the other part of that, just from a civilian's point of view, is you are trading what is usually two to three decades of experience for brand new rookie officers. And most cops will tell you, even when they were rookies, it takes a while. Even after you've passed all of your you know, academy and FTO, it still takes a while to be a standalone officer. Yeah, it, it takes a good year, year and a half to, to get to a point where you're comfortable and you think you know, at least know where to find the answers to some questions, but to where you think you're competent enough to, to be able to uh, to go out there and be a, a working member of the department. Daryl, I appreciate the conversation this morning. I'd like to have you back uh, you know, soon and talk about the progress. I know there's going to be some changes on the city council with this recent election, and I'd like to talk to you about some of those changes moving forward and how you think it benefits or is a detriment to the, the department. Absolutely. All right. I appreciate that. That's Daryl Crippling. He is the president of the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. Just an update on what's happening in the city of Phoenix. We're going to keep updating you on other agencies as well. Gatos joins me in a moment, and it's the big Q poll question of the day, so please stick around for it. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Oh, good morning. You sound very chipper today. Yeah, you know, one day closer to Friday. Okay, okay. And KD didn't fall down and hurt himself last night. That's good, too. (laughs) You're absolutely right. He did not fall down and injure himself. He got through warm-ups, actually got through a rough first half, but did pretty well in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, even more good news uh, leads to my poll. Uh, uh, Narcan is now uh, sold in stores. Yeah. Uh, that was a big story yesterday. It's, it's a big now deal. Sold in, you think so? It's yeah. sold in stores. Uh, it's commonly used to reverse an opioids overdose. So I'm asking everybody, would you consider carrying Narcan? Yes or no? No. 
Um, I don't mean to be harsh, but if you're going to sit in a parking lot, and this is what happens. Yeah. If you're going to sit in a parking lot and you're going to leave your car unlocked and the window down for a reason because you know you might overdose and you want someone to save you, it won't be me. I'm not going to go and spend 50 bucks to get two cans of Narcan and put it in my car and run around and look for you. If you want to get high and, oops, you overdose, I'm not giving you my money and I'm not going to probably bring you back. So I know that sounds a little bit harsh, but that's on you. That's it's not on me. Yeah. I'm not buying this stuff for you. But I could I can understand places where people would purchase it. Okay. You know, if you where? if you well if you are if you are the loved one uh, whether you're the spouse or a loved one of an addict, someone that's an addict and right. realizing you may need to save their life at some point, I could understand that. Yeah, no, I get that. But, you know, I think part of it was, hey, the public should start carrying right. this stuff around. I don't think so. I'm not carrying it around. It's so funny. I got less than a minute, but I want to get your answer to this. Do you think this may actually cause more overdoses because people that are users may buy this saying, hey, if it happens to me, I can just jam, you know, I could use this and I'll be fine. Well, I don't think they'll be able to jam themselves. I think they'll already be dead. I think they need somebody else to jam the. Yeah, you know, but they would if you're hanging out, if you're hanging out doing drugs in a group, it's like, hey, if something happens to me. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. But, you know, that's part of the problem, too. It is. You know, for the public, I know a couple of people who are going to carry this stuff around and they put it in their car. And I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, that's not going to be me. If you want to get high on opioids and you accidentally die, that's your fault. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's your fault. That's not my fault. Good question. I like it, Gatos, as always. All right, man. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Thanks. That's Gatos. The Big Q poll question today is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. We talk about this problem in prisons in just a moment.